Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric, and we are all joined this evening by smut peddling Michael Kester. That's me, I'm just out here peddling the smut. I think, uh, surprisingly, it's not the French movie with all the smut this evening, so that's nice. Yeah, there's something like oddly sexual about that movie, but the the first the first movie today. Isn't that weird? There's a lot of odd things about that movie that you can't yeah. quite put your finger on. We're doing Thirst, which is a, a Park Chan-wook movie, and we're pairing that with Brotherhood of the Wolf. That's what we said we were going to do last time. We're making good on that promise today. Congratulations. Thanks for joining us. If you would like more quality content, whereby we do, in fact, cover the films we said we were going to cover, which is sometimes harder than you might expect, Try and make that easier on us at patreon.com forward slash double feature. Last week it was easy because one of them was like Brokeback Mountain, which I think like if you just go outside and say that out loud, somebody hands you a copy of the movie. Yeah. We're definitely way more in the weeds today. Oh man, Brotherhood of the Wolf, I've been trying to watch the correct version of this film for like 15 fucking years. No joke. Yeah. Uh, and Thirst, which I mean, Thirst is difficult too because how many goddamn movies are there named Thirst? Yeah. But it's the one. You know the one. You know the one. I know, You know the cover. This is a bit of a twist on the creature feature. That's right. And um, I'm already excited to talk about these. We'll do them in that order. There's spoilers. One of the key spoilers is... Um, yeah, you're just better at this than I am. <laughs> the one thing you need to know before that is patreon.com forward slash double feature... It's uh, it's why we get to cover movies like Thirst and Brotherhood of the Wolf. One, because the Patreon allows us to exist. And two, because it allows us to keep the show ad-free. What fucking ad is going to want to run before Thirst? Come on. Are you serious? Right. And if Thirst, certainly not Brotherhood of the Wolf. I'm not really sure what you could run. Imagine Brotherhood of the Wolf with ad breaks. That's Nobody wants that. That movie's its own ad break. It doesn't need to... I can't wait to talk about these. All right, and focus, focus. Do you want to cook like the French? Blue Apron. Yeah, it's just not. Yeah. Ah, the French. I wouldn't eat a single thing that appears on the screen in Brotherhood of the Wolf. <laughs> so you go to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash double feature. You get plenty of old episodes, some of which we may name check on this episode. And certainly, I'll name check some right now. These other Park Chan-wook movies. I mean, nothing guarantees you will like a Park Chan-wook movie. Like, you just watched one and you need to see something. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say just like it, but man, there's a, there's a, a wet itch that yeah. must be scratched. Yeah. So come be part of the show. Patreon.com forward slash double feature. I will also say we do listener picks and every fucking listener we've ever had has picked this movie. So I'm sure everybody is sitting at home. 100% of the audience are applauding us going, oh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, finally. I've been recommending that for 15 years. And here it is. I had to figure out which version to watch. But that one's not first. First, I want to cover this other movie. I want to start with a log line for Thirst. 
Thirst stars a a devout priest who is um, giving last rites to plague victims. When he comes down with the plague himself, only to be mysteriously cured, and then he himself becomes a vampire. And it, it's sort of it's sort of uh, it's a meditation on how that guy can remain a moral vampire, right? I think that's really a meditation or an abandonment of yeah. It's the it's the question of of can one be a moral vampire outside of a Jim Jarmusch film? I think it's pretty funny too to think about morality within the context of like okay, being a religious figure. You know, it's such backwards morality to begin with. Mm-hmm. We see him break a lot of what would probably be you know his own religious code before we really see him break like some solid moral boundaries. And of course, is pushed to do so later in the film. I feel like if I if I was really going to write the official logline, I want to bring the other girl in, but I don't entirely know how to. <laughs> well, she's just such a an instigator to so much of this. It feels like such a such a late game addition to the film that like really pulls the pulls the wheel hard toward the conclusion. Oh yeah, that I feel like it's. It's just not how I would set up the movie, but I guess, yeah, so... Well, uh, well you could say that maybe she she's the one who sort of pushes along his temptation towards these things, right? Right, Yeah. right. Because I don't just mean literally the, the kind of like antagonistic plot development. I mean... The, I mean the fucking, man. That's what I'm getting at. Right. The sure. fucking is set up to be a little bit of like a broken boundary. So there's a there's a lot of themes around the plot points, but what and you know, we'll cover this wherever you want. But there's really one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is the style of this movie and just the the Park Chan Wook stuff. This is a very gross film. It is what mm-hmm. I would probably consider a body horror film. And if it isn't a body horror film, man, does it have a lot of the stuff that we only really get in those movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the manifestation of this, when you think of the virus or you think of like some of the body stuff, like do you have images from this movie that are burned into your skull? I mean, yeah, definitely. It's it's There's a lot of things. I mean, the, the first thing that becomes really clear, you know, having just lived through am. Am currently living through a pandemic. How's that going, by the way? That- Sorry, I slipped up and referred to it in the past tense like an idiot. Um, <laughs> no, it's the uh, the the future always present tense that you need to use. So, as someone who who is amidst a pandemic, they don't always look all boily and pussy. So, you know, shouts out to yeah. Park Chan Wook for giving us a good old boily pussy plague. And, you know, the constant reminder is like, oh, you should really see a dermatologist in case the audience couldn't see the nastiness, really just rubbing your face in it all the time. Mm -hmm. It's the boils, but it's also like the nails, you know, that's very nails falling off, being picked off, being maybe saved in a drawer for later, Mm -hmm. Uh, being used to etch things in chairs. Mm -hmm. All of the nasty nail stuff gets me. And I feel like 
I feel like the movie actually does such a good job of these nasty effect shots that even when it gets to things that are a little more pedestrian, like there's a scene that's burned in for me when they're on the boat and the fucking fishing hook catches her ear and rips her earring out. Yeah. Like what compared to the other stuff we're talking about, I mean, a boil, a fingernail, you know, this is really not so bad. But when it happens, I feel that tear and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I I make that same sort of noise as everything else Mm -hmm. that happens in the movie. And that's what starts telling me like, oh, this is a person who knows how to, how to turn the torture device, you know? Sure, sure. I just imagine like a hand around a, I wish I knew medieval torture devices better. I could have given you a really, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like the the dial on the rack or whatever. I'll come back to you with some some better medieval torture jargon that no one will understand. Yeah. So the reason I really mention all this gross stuff is because this is also a really sensual movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, just for a normal movie, let alone one that has to kind of like combat how disgusting it is. What brought me to the movie Thirst was really when looking at not just the lines that shall not be crossed in film, not just movies that push a boundary on nudity or, or depict sex in any way, but really movies that feel sensual. We actually talk mostly about this line between like art and pornography when we talk about the movies that represent sexuality. A movie that just comes fully loaded, you know, not fucking around and just shows everything that they could think of showing. And we have, we've covered some really, really out there stuff in terms of uh, just what parts of the human body are shown and what they're doing. But I feel like it's so much more rare that we see something that tries to convey the specific feeling of being tantalized sexually. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think it's probably, I don't know if, I don't know why it it appears so much more rare, but the fact it does makes it an elusive and interesting thing for me to chase down in movies. And when I was just sitting thinking, okay, the all-time most sensual movies, and, you know, I started mentally trying to build a list of like, oh, maybe erotic thrillers, is there anything in there? But even erotic thrillers, like they're they're so rarely actually sexy. Right. You know, like they kind of go through- They can't all be showgirls. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, so so my uh, my mental exercise of just trying to think, well, what movies show a lot of stuff or which ones tap into fetishes Or, you know, I started thinking about a lot of the stuff that's depicted and it left me honestly pretty blank trying to to conjure up a list like that. And then you have a movie like Thirst, yeah, which is almost, I mean, you would be forgiven for thinking back to Thirst and immediately imagining a fingernail busting off and going, whoop, not that one. (laughs) That movie's not going on the list. And yet there's one scene that, I think does it probably better than any of the other ones. I'm kind of curious like about the uh, how the mileage varies here, so let me know. But I think the first time the two of them are touching each other is just like fucking electric. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is, uh, it, it makes me feel like anxious and nervy 
You know, it's like, I felt like I was like losing my fucking virginity again or something. And it's couched inside this like nasty movie Mm -hmm. with this sort of, um, I don't want to say confusing plot, but there's, there's kind of a lot of stuff going on here. Right. And there's a lot to think about. But something about that scene when they first just kind of start touching each other and then eventually go at it. Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in breaking this down, but I guess I wanted to start and sort of see like if you even know what the fuck I'm talking about or if any of that worked for you. Uh, I mean, it's so have you had you seen this movie before? No. Yeah, me neither. I think to go back to what you were talking about with what types of movies would appear on that list. It's interesting because I feel like while you're right, this would not be, although the title may set it up a little bit, obviously, this would not be the first movie that I would pick to be like, yeah, that's a hot movie. However, there's really only one movie that I can think of off the top of my head that like, that if I were to tell you I think it's a hot movie, you'd be like, oh yeah, well, that's a hot movie. And that's Secretary. Um, Secretary for sure. Right, hot movie, super hot movie. Weird. But then immediately, immediately you get into the territory that this movie operates in because then it's like Crash or fucking Mobius. Isn't that weird? Those are movies I would probably pick too. I mean, Mobius is a little more recent for me, so I don't have like the longstanding feeling. But I have had so many conversations with people, you know, where we kind of talk about this. Uh, for one reason, I I work on a lot of dirty movies, <laughs> so we we talk about this stuff a lot. And people are always like, "Oh, like Crash." And I'm like, "Yeah, like that." Yeah. So that's everybody's go to for that, mm-hmm. which is another one that we're talking about movies that are all. So there's like a chicken and an egg question here, which is sort mm-hmm. of like, okay, Crash is a movie about people who have hot times over car accidents, right? That's my really short, dumb logline for that. Here we're talking about a movie that's really gross and also really sensual. And even Secretary is like, it's emotionally hard and there's a lot of complicated things about it. It's not a straightforward, it's certainly not, uh, it sells the sizzle a little bit, you know, but that's not the whole reason to be there. Yeah. And so are these movies sensual because they're dealing with these things is that part of it or are the movies using some of this like sensual tone because it works so well hand in hand with the subject matter i think it's the latter because i think that the reason the reason that that you don't put basic instincts or jade on this list is because basic instinct or jade are doing the thing that that we love in exploitation, but that we don't like in intercourse, which is there's no fucking, <laughs> no, you know it. It's basically it's basically being like, wouldn't it be hot if you could fuck Sharon Stone, and then for two hours you don't fuck Sharon Stone? Yeah, that's ba- there's my logline for Basic Instinct. Yeah, I feel like those movies. When I thought about just really quick, when I thought about erotic thrillers. What I thought is, oh, it's always delightful when you get there and it's more dangerous than you thought. Right. The danger is the tantalizing part. Whereas like thirst is like, oh, you show up because of the concept or because of whatever. And you're like, oh, and it'll be sexual as well. And that's like the bonus secret reason to be here. And it becomes this thing where when you're not 
when you're not promising a sexy good time, you can actually use the aspects of eroticism to prove points Mm. a little bit better. If you're trying to talk about how vampires, the idea of a vampire being like needs this, has this carnal need to consume human beings, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking is a pretty good analogy. Sure. But it's it's definitely there's this understanding of this like this animalism that comes to uh that comes to a human being when they just want to get off. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it really lends itself Crash is a different story. We have to divorce ourselves from Crash in this conversation because Crash is like that's Cronenberg. That's like fucking collegiate level versions of this conversation. We're not having that. Yeah. But the idea of trying to get the point across of vampirism being this thing that you know is wrong, but there's a there's this beast inside of you that's telling that part of you to shut the fuck up sure. until I get my rocks off. Yeah, and also for this story of crossing a boundary. Right. Because all of that is like an internal test of will, you know, trying not to have sex with a person that you really want to have sex with. I mean, I think that's why it brought me back to virginity Mm -hmm. because it was just like the last time I can remember that is, you know, you're younger and all oppressive forces try to keep you apart from sexual partners. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you're a teenager. You can't have sex. You can't have sex. You can't have sex. And your body is just like, there's one thing that I know I have to do and that is definitely have a lot of sex all the time. At all times, have sex. And so that becomes, you know, that becomes exactly what thirst is talking about. These things that are in your instinct that you know you're not supposed to go against them, but you're being compelled by, you know, every fiber of your being. This is a constant study for me, trying to figure this out in these movies. You know, where do, how do you create, how do you create a hot movie? You know, I think the sound design is a huge part of this one. I think everything makes these sort of like too graphic for even the sound designer type wet sounds, you know? Mm -hmm. I can only imagine you would be trying to work on sound design with somebody and them just look at you like, you sure you want this much? And it's also macro shots. It's um, one of the shots that really got me that doesn't even fucking have human beings in it. But it's shortly, I think it's almost right after that, scene of them hooking up the first time and there's the moment of tearing apart the stitching you know in these close-ups and just each little stitch popping out and it's like tearing somebody's clothes off Mm -hmm. which is not even uh you know a particular fetish of mine but it immediately like it, it sort of makes your mind do the work of this gets back to like our soviet montage theory kind of stuff right the edit has placed in your mind the idea of sexuality of really two people hooking up and then it you know just a couple scenes later let's say shows this slow shot of just one by one little stitches popping out of clothes and if your head is still there enough you make the connection and the fact you made that connection it's like yeah i don't know it just lights up something in your brain this is not the first time we have seen this with Park Chan-wook movies. Oh yeah, it's another super hot movie. Fucking Handmaiden. Yes. Yeah, and also super wrong, you know. Possibly 
our horniest living director? What do you think? Uh, in their work or in their life? <laughs> well, it's like Handmaiden, fucking Stoker, Thirst, mm-hmm. uh, even Old Boy. You know the whole mm-hmm. fucked upness of Old Boy. Right. Once right. again, all the things that make these movies fucked up are like also hand in hand with the sexuality. Um, also, we saw his movie, I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. You know, I feel like oh, yeah. human relationships, human sexuality, the sort of uh, intersecting of two people and in this particular way, always a subject of Park Chan-wook's work. And I had seen, you know, I'd seen Stoker and I think I'd seen Old Boy too because that's just like, you know, required... I like movies type. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. yeah. When you when you get your first list of 10 movies yeah. you couldn't get like right off the top shelf of the video store, it was like, okay, right. you should you should check this out though. Right. But um you were the one who showed me Handmaiden for the show. And that was the first time I was like, okay, who is this director? Who made this? Have they made <laughs> anything else? Can I see all of it? And so that was that was a moment to like write that name down, and uh, very happy about that. Only good results have uh, have come of it. One other thing, just before we get to Brotherhood of the Wolf, is the effects in this movie. We didn't talk a lot about them, but they kill me. I just love how like mundane the superpowers are, <laughs> but like how much they read. You know, it's just so, it's such expert stuff, man. I just really, mm-hmm. the like, the lifting of heavy objects, you know, mm-hmm. lifting the armchair and just hauling it off like it doesn't have a person sitting in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even if it had a person, like you, you know, that's an object that we've all tried to lift, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of like moved a piece of furniture or something. You know how heavy it is. It's not like seeing a person lift a car in a movie. Right. We've all gone. You wouldn't lift a car. <laughs> We've all kind of gone like, ah, could I get this up these stairs? I don't want to hire a person. I'm going to try really hard. To, no, no, yeah. I can't. No, I can't. Yeah. And then, you know, imagine a person sitting at it. If only yeah, I were right. a vampire. If only I were a South Korean vampire. But like when she gets hit by the car, you know, and it just like yeah. over the hood, just mm-hmm. shocks her body back out on the or street. Or when he fucking jumps out the window. Yeah. He jumps out <laughs> the window. And it's like, it's at first you're like, oh, is he trying to kill himself? And then he just gets up and walks. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's just a shortcut. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, throwing a guy like 30 feet in the air over the like overpass yeah. or whatever, and they're just leaping over it. Yeah. These little uh, kind of mundane demonstrations. That's where a lot of the humor in this movie is too, is just the sort of like, yeah. I don't know, you just see two characters, you're like so deep in the story, and the effect actually has to like pull you out to be humorous. Mm-hmm. You know, them leaping from building to building or whatever is sort of like, oh, I forgot like I'm watching a fucking vampire movie. Vampire movie. movie. Yep. Okay. So Brotherhood of the Wolf. Uh, Where'd you watch this movie? Where did I watch this movie? The first time or this time? This time. Not in a theater either time. Yeah, I've never been so lucky on that. It's Shudder uh, was was mine. Yeah, I saw it on DVD the first time and I saw it on uh, on Shutter this most recent time. First time I saw this movie, I didn't like it. Same. And I I look back all the time and try to figure out cuz everybody from the show was telling me this is before we did listener suggestions. They were like you got to see this. Yeah. And I think I watched the director's cut and I also think I watched a dubbed version, an English dubbed version. 
and not the subtitled French version. And, you know, watch the dub version. I don't know if that's ever a good idea. I, uh, I definitely, I had the same experience. I was shown this movie. Somebody at the time was like, oh my God, Brotherhood of the Wolf, you have to see it. And, you know, I was probably like in some sort of fucking mood where I was like, I'm not going to like your stupid movie. You can't show me a movie. I, I'm the one who does the showing. I know about old boy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, um, and again, spoiler inclusive, I, it was definitely at that window in my life where I was like, there's not even a fucking wolf. And I just probably wrote the movie off. I'm like, it's Brotherhood of the fucking Lion. Right, I think it's called Wolf Pack. In French, and I think that's just too goofy for yeah, them. Yeah, to, and and to be fair, uh, I must have missed it or not paid attention or or whatever. But there is actually a Brotherhood of the Wolf, uh, <laughs> right? It's literally in, in the movie. Yeah, it's just like, and and that's the thing is, I'm I'm sitting there being like, well, there's no wolf, and the movie's like, we never said there was. <laughs> It'd be like being pissed that there were no games in Game of Thrones. <laughs> It's like, there's fucking thrones. What do you want? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what's funny is I almost made the same joke, but with squid games. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, same same thing. Plenty of games, no squid. And where's I'm all thrones, no games. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I'm reaching for one that doesn't involve games, but I'm fucked now. I'm like, house of games, <laughs> game of cards, cards of house of whatever. <laughs> it's all over. All right. Then let's logline what this is actually about. Oof. When a man at a party presents a fish covered in fur, one town can never get over it. That's my <laughs> logline for this. You got something better? I guess if you put it that way, it's a lot easier. Movie's more straightforward. Yeah, it's that and also uh, a series of mysterious deaths by a beast needs to be stopped by the uh, by a, a French militia there and one native... And again, one Jim Jarmusch character. Yeah. Just keep, <laughs> I swear, has paid off in spades that fucking movie. The number of times we can uh, reference Dead Man. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Dead Man, you should see it just because apparently it will come up in every other conversation you have about films. Yeah, this movie also, here come spoilers, but this movie turns out to be surprisingly... I'd say satisfyingly naturalistic. Yes. By the end of it. Yes. Because at some point you go, this is a creature feature. There is a fucking creature killing people. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then you see the creature and, you know, we'll talk about that. But they do eventually tell you where the creature came from. And after you're getting all of this sort of Illuminati, the brotherhood, and it's all being controlled and, and all this like mythology you're sort of like, okay, well, who's the werewolf? No, 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 that's just a big creature came over from Africa. That's like, actually, they just have those over there. We just brought them back. And we actually, we bred a bunch, and uh, we just picked the strongest one. As you can see, he's very strong, tears apart lots of stuff. We loved that, and so we kept him. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, that that's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's more naturalistic than a fur-covered fish, actually. I, I believe it more. I don't know if you have a good sense of what the themes of the movie are. I know that's sort of not the reason to watch Brotherhood of the Wolf, but I feel duty bound to at least think about it. Um, I mean, I'm. I would say, I would say, I definitely don't have a good grasp of it. 
Um, one thing, so here's one thing about Brotherhood of the Wolf that everybody who's crazy about this movie who wanted us to watch it, like, I don't know if you guys realize this, but it's like a super hard movie to follow. Oh yeah. And, and, and that's not a, that's not a debt to the movie. I'm, I'm not digging at the movie at all. It's, that's great. You know, sit down, watch a movie, pay attention. That's the rule. But it's, it is, it is, you know, it deals a lot with with class warfare uh obviously there's allusions to the to to bringing things over from africa Ooh, i mm-hmm. wonder what that could be a reference sure, to sure there's there's uh there's sexuality there's um entitlement there's again this this fucking one native character and vigilantism is also in here yeah you know it's i'm going to go take care of this cuz nobody else can uh, well, I then, thought you know, about I thought about like the French Revolution. I thought about mm-hmm. uh, class warfare, right? You know, this like society that sort of says what they say goes, and dissemination of orders and all of these things. But I also thought a lot of the themes probably come from. I mean, I don't want to say why they're there, but. A lot of the things I was reaching for going, what is this talking about? Like the thing you scratch your head at, which is like the native character. Weird. I think it comes more from the kind of genre mashupness of it. Right. You know, where it's sort of pulling from all of these different, it really is like heavy genre stuff. Very pulpy. Yeah, it's a very pulpy movie. Yeah. When I say genre, I mean like kung fu. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of actually a lot of the genres we don't really see anymore. But that's where I think the magic of the movie is, is that it seems almost bizarrely hellbent on just putting every kind of like extreme fan subgenre in here. Anything people would go see a triple feature of, mm-hmm. that genre is in this movie. And I don't know that I would say Kung Fu specifically, but there are a lot of like, okay, this is a movie set during the French Revolution. There's Kung Fu in it. There's martial arts in it. Like a lot of martial arts fighting. That's weird. (laughs) Like, I don't know what that's about. But even the way their sound design, that's what makes me think Kung Fu, is it's, it's not quite that level of like ridiculous whip sound, sound design, you know? Right. But it's pretty fucking close. Mm-hmm. If you want the whips, there are many whip zooms. Those are all whip pans, whip zooms. That's all in there. But yeah, it, one second it'll be doing like an Indiana Jones kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It'll do, um, or the, what's the genre that's like sword fighting? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like um, contemporary uh, medieval. You know, I'm thinking of movies like The Man in the Iron Mask. That's yeah, Zorro, right? Yeah, those those contemporary the contemporary. Um, but I also thought like pirate movies. I maybe keep it's trying to avoid using the word swashbuckling. That's <laughs> yes, the word that that's... I'm actually <laughs> dancing around. Uh, that's yeah. why I keep pausing because my brain keeps saying keeps going swashbuckling. Why but, not? Why not say swashbuckling though? Uh, it's you know. a landlocked nation. It's not. <laughs> It's a landlocked movie. <laughs> well, I yeah, because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, well, there's no water fights. Right. But there is the kind of like costuming that, may, you know, you put that hat on. Sure. And you start sword fighting. And I'm just like, who's going to walk the plank in this movie? Right. You know? Right. 
And there's also sort of a romantic element to actually both of those, I guess. You know, there's a, when you think about like Zorro is a romance film, you know, Mm -hmm. even the pirate movies, like they're adventure movies. So they're, they're a little Indiana Jones and we do see that here, but I also feel like there's a fucking rom. You don't get through any of those movies without it being like a heavy romantic, at least a subplot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the romance in this movie is just the sort of like um, Monica Bellucci wandering around kind of. That's that's what represents the romantic portion of the film, I guess. Right. right. So many. It's beyond genre bending. It's like. Uh, it's like some sort of almost like an improv routine or something of just moving through, like you're spinning a wheel and moving to random subgenres. <laughs> and then also the horror stuff and the monster stuff. I don't know, you know, if we were just to look at this as a horror movie, right? Because I feel like, you know, more horror movies than anybody I've ever met. Does this remind you of any? particular parts of the horror genre or of other like creature stuff definitely or? it it lives it lives right in the same place that it came out and it reminds me of uh, that movie relic oh yeah i remember that yeah it reminds me of um uh reminds me a little bit of deep rising but i'll tell you where this movie Monster actually lives in the it, shadows sort of picking yeah. all these people off it's, yeah, yeah okay. um but where this movie really lives, and and I mean this in the most beloved way possible, but do you remember, again, at the same time this was coming out, this is the early 2000s, um, you and I had, uh, you know, television, and uh, do you remember that, like, weird rash of... Um, semi-daytime television um the hercules the legendary journeys xena warrior princess Beastmaster, uh jack of all trades was the bruce campbell one and uh it was, i was thinking so much about xena this week and i couldn't figure yeah. out why and it was this goddamn movie this totally, it feels so totally. much like that pocket of like weird entertainment where we just like wanted to watch charismatic people in completely inconsequential battles, mm-hmm. knowing very well they were going to win because tune in next week for the Lone Ranger. That's so weird. Thanks for helping me figure out why the fuck I've been. I've almost put Xena <laughs> on a few times. I'm like, I got stuff to yeah. do. I can't be laying around watching Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> but maybe I should have. I don't know. It would have probably prepped me really well for the show. Yeah, we don't see the creature for a while. And then we do really get to like see the thing in all its glory, probably about halfway through the movie, maybe a little more than halfway. And the design is also what we talked about on that Deep Rising show, on that kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, we're hitting the period where the CGI is starting to like be a look. Right. It's starting to not just look like uh, some fucking CGI, but it, almost like a puppet of the era. Mm-hmm. And I think, actually, speaking of the, of puppetry, I think there probably is some in the movie. I think For some sure. of this is like the close-ups and stuff are practical. Today, you almost wouldn't do that just because you'd want everything to match and look uniformly CGI terrible. But 
back then it was kind of like, I don't know, for this shop we'll use computers, for this shop we'll like paint a thing in here, this one we can... Because it's seamless integration, man. That's yeah. that Again, I know every time CGI comes up before we exhale, we have to mention Jurassic Park, but Spielberg made everyone think you could do it. Uh-huh. And then everybody was like, I guess you can just do it. Yeah. Spielberg was like, yeah, you know, you use some physical and sometimes the T-Rex is CG and everyone's like, yeah, you just do half and half. Yeah, now it reminds me of that scene in The Disaster Artist where they're like, you want to do half film and half digital? Like, that's not really how people make movies. No, 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 <laughs> it'll be fine. Half film, half digital, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, I like seeing the creature. I like that I can't understand what the fuck it is. I like that it's wearing, it looks like a lion under some armor or something. I don't know what totally. the fuck is going on. Super weird, super uh, cool. And I love how brutal it is. I don't, uh, you know, I don't ever get used to the effects though. I think that is, no. I don't no, no, think no. I read the like campy what the fuckedness of it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Because I was looking at this opening scene and just being like, this is not selling, you know, authentic. And now I look at it and I'm like, how did they even get away with, you know, like the use in this movie of the kind of low frame rate, slow motion. I mean, I feel like half this movie is in slow motion. The, uh, and the sort of inverted frames, you know, a, a, uh, technique that I don't know if has ever worked. I saw the Gorillas concert film mm-hmm. when they did the December 8th yeah, Gorillas, yeah. you know, one day, whatever. And in the beginning, I don't know when you watched it on the live stream if they had all the music videos beforehand. Yeah. You know, there's that one video that's just them driving through an entirely inverted town. Yeah. And the person yeah, yeah, the person sitting next to me literally went Gorillas 2020, just driving through an all inverted world. They're just going to do that, I guess. And it was like, you look at it, you're like, that's a bold choice. That was an effect that I just, I don't know what people were high on when they thought, yeah, I don't know, invert the frame. That'll be like, ooh, scary. They were high on uh, hydroxychloroquine, if you remember when that video came out. (laughs) They're doing everything they can to release a video during a pandemic. Some of those effects are just so from a time, I feel like the sort of, you know, the start of being able to do weird things on computers at the very beginning. The 90s had a lot of those too. One of my favorites is the mesmerizer, the, uh, you know, when the frame sort of like warps like it's a a funhouse mirror. Uh It sort of like twists and yeah, that just screams 1990s to me like faster than anything. The dentist in the mouth of madness. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Brotherhood of the Wolf, just leaving no, no stone unturned, this goddamn movie. Um, also spotted our guy from Criminal Lovers in this. I don't know if you oh, clocked yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, it was did it. Funny. I did it. But now I can picture yet yeah. another reason to go back to Criminal Lovers, and we'll see Vincent Cassell again this year. And you know, if you want to see another weird movie like this, I feel like I can now draw a line between this and the director's other truly bizarre movie, Silent Hill. Oh, yeah. Which is weird in a different way, but you kind of see how the same madman made it. I wonder if there's ever going to be room for Silent Hill on double feature. Actually, you can make room, dear listener. (laughs) There should be. Patreon.com forward slash double feature. You can can shoehorn anything in. 
including Silent Hill. That's right. We really should do Silent Hill. We really... There's going to be like do a 25-year yeah. anniversary or something that's going to be going we should around do it. We should do it with the um, the Mario Brothers movie. I'm just oh, not a Dennis God. Hopper forever now. Yeah, actually, this is a really good idea. Fuck. All right, well. But not next time. <laughs> regardless, patreon.com. Give me two weeks. Give me two weeks. Forward slash double feature. See if that can happen. You could just, uh, if you like that idea, write a little note to the Patreon. Just kind of, you know, put your finger on the scale a little bit. I want to thank Henrik Dinter, The Abbot of Unreason, Tom Leonard, Tony Gleed, and John for being the executive producers of this show. Thanks, guys. Do you want to do two more next week? I want to do two more movies next week. What are we doing? All right. We're going to do something um, that maybe it's easy, but I don't know. We have a really good knack for overcomplicating the easy ones. So let's see if we can keep our records strong. Next week on the show, we're going to do Empire Records. Fuck, I said records. Uh, <laughs> and, and too late. Can't go back. <laughs> and High Fidelity. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I dropped all my uh, uh, gorillas knowledge too early in the show, and that's what happened. Should have right. saved it. Sorry. Uh, I have it on vinyl. We can just spin it next week. (laughs) (laughs) Watch more fucking film. All right, bye.